But then, but then it goes to these like it switches the scene to these ugly ass like school children that are not naked and are not good people. <laughs> and I'm like, what happened? everyone and welcome to Anime Club After Dark, the podcast that delves into all things anime, manga, and otaku culture related. I'm your host, Alex, but you can call me Senpai, and joining me tonight, I have our wizard of wait what, Chinoda. In local news, the lizard man went up against Congress. It showed <laughs> that our senators clearly did not know anything. <laughs> Old fuckers need to die already. Was that a fucking, was that the lizard man, was that a fucking overlord reference? No, Fuckerberg joke. <laughs> and, <laughs> sorry, and our chivalry of Shota's Shotaro. I have nuts in my eye. <laughs> Context, he's he's had an allergic reaction and... Uh, His face got yeah, all puffy. Due to, yeah, nuts. Yes. Totally. Not the fun kind, but the fun kind. <laughs> wow. Okay, well, that was a slightly um, more happy uh, introduction to a somewhat dark topic that we're talking about tonight. But uh, before somewhat. we get into that, there's a couple of uh, news and announcements we want to talk about. Um, the first and foremost is uh, over the last week, uh, before we recorded this episode, uh, the co-founder of Studio Ghibli, Isao Takahata, died. Um, so first of all, RIP to him. Um if you're not exactly familiar with who he is, he's the man responsible for one of the most critically acclaimed Ghibli movies uh, ever, Grave of the Fireflies, which I highly, highly recommend you watch if you haven't. It's an absolutely gorgeous movie, and it's got great soundtrack in that movie too, by the way. Um, but he's also responsible for movies like uh, The Tale of Princess Kaguya and My Neighbors the Yamadas, uh, all, all really good stuff that you should watch if you haven't. Uh, what he said. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, he's definitely he was a, definitely an integral part of Studio Ghibli getting off the ground uh, back in the mid '80s, um, and I'm sure he will be uh, very, very well missed. Uh, Most and, definitely. Yes. Um, but also, and this will actually lead us into uh, what we're going to be talking about tonight. And it actually there was a video that we watched uh, that kind of inspired this whole topic um so there's a new fashion trend in and around japan uh that's sort of uh it's been raising some eyebrows so to speak um and it's a fashion trend called yami kawaii which literally translate translates to mean sick cute um and it's essentially a suicide inspired fashion trend now, if you haven't seen it, there's actually a video, like I said, that kind of inspired this whole topic that we're going to be doing tonight, which is mental illness and anime. Um, but the, the video that actually inspired this, we're going to link down below in the description, so definitely check it out if you get a chance. Um, but it's kind of, for me, I don't know, because I know you've watched this video too, uh, show, but for me when I watched it, I was at first I was like, this is kind of really weird. 
Uh, but, you know, whatever. But the more I watched it, the more I thought maybe this could actually be used to help promote awareness of suicide and mental illness. I don't know. Did you feel the same way? Yeah, when I first saw the fashion trend, if I saw that on the street, I would think it was really insensitive to people who suffer from suicide. But then as the video went on and they interviewed some of the creators of the fashion trend and the people who actually wear it, those people do suffer from depression and have like attempted suicide. So at like it's an expression for them to deal with their issues. But so I can't really criticize it because like I haven't committed I haven't attempted suicide so like how can I say that it's insensitive to people who have when they themselves are um using this fashion trend to cope but it still doesn't seem right (laughs) it feels like like yes they say they cope by using it but it feels like they could cope through better methods but I mean who am I to say that whatever works for them I guess that's true I mean as someone myself who has actually attempted suicide before I can say that when I first saw it I was like I think you're kind of capitalizing on a trend that isn't necessarily the most healthy thing i mean when you kill yourself you're kind of dead so it's not healthy at all um but as you said the more i watched the the video the more i realized that these people are actually the people that suffer from the very thing that they're kind of promoting so and, and it's worth pointing out if you don't know that even still today in japan people with mental illnesses aren't exactly treated that well um, they're kind of treated as outcasts and they're not, some of them have trouble getting access to the kind of like medical help that they need. Um, so for me personally, I think that if this makes it easier for them to cope and certainly easier for other people to see what these people are going through, I think that's, it, it's probably a good thing. I look at it as like a band aid on a seeping wound, like it's gonna help a little but like the optimal thing to do would be like to see a professional even though i know that doesn't work um for everyone but i would like recommend that as the first avenue oh yeah for sure and uh and like you said mental professionals aren't always available or accessible in japan so what can they do yeah at least at least they're trying to inspire other people to be aware of the fact that they have a problem and not yeah. they're not they're not just keeping it all inside yeah, yeah. i don't really know how but, it is in japan but with like ment- how people treat people with mental illness so yeah i do it, like the fact that it is inspiring talk at yeah. the very least which is most definitely appreciated and has been needed over there for a very long time. Yeah, absolutely. And if you actually watch this video, you will, one of the things that the reporter who is reporting on this says that it's definitely inspiring people to like come forward and talk about their own personal experiences, which I think is something that Japanese society as a whole kind of could benefit from. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Anything else you want to say about this before we get into the main topic? No, that's it. Okay. Well, uh, as I mentioned before, the thing we are going to be talking about tonight is uh, mental illness as it's portrayed in anime, manga, and otaku culture. Um, 
and th- like the different ways it's presented and the different ways that uh, characters with specific illnesses are portrayed. Um, so I think we can just jump right into it. Uh, we have a, a, f- a somewhat lengthy list of different anime we want to talk about tonight. Um, I think the first one we have here on the list is uh, <laughs> Watamode, which good luck with this one. <laughs> Okay. I'm not the one who put it on. <laughs> I know, I know you're not the one who put it on. I was saying good luck to myself. So, Watamode, uh, not we're going to try I think it should be pointed out. We're going to try hard not to spoil too much tonight. Um I say try. Um if we do have any spoilers, I'm, we'll point them out before we actually mention them. Um but so Watamode is uh, an anime based on a manga that is basically I think a lot of people like this because they can relate to the main character um, of uh, Tomoko, uh, which isn't necessarily a good thing in this instance because she <laughs> she suffers from multiple different social anxiety disorders. Uh, probably the most prominent one that she suffers from is a disorder called avoidant personality disorder, which is basically like a social phobia. Um, she, is, she basically has this uh, inane fear of, like socializing with people and it hinders her ability to make friends and live basically a normal life and i don't know me personally i liked watamode i liked how is how uh tomoko herself was presented because i think there's a lot of people myself included that sometimes can relate to how she acts oh i could definitely relate to how she acts and i think a lot of people can even like high functioning people who it's because I feel that to- Tomoko is an exaggeration of what we all feel. Like, we all feel, for the most part, some form of social anxiety. And she's just, like, the the end of the spectrum of that. So we can... I feel like a lot of us can relate to the situations she's in. Yeah. Um, I certainly feel like she's... Um... Uh, like you said, uh, she's like, she's the extreme side of that spectrum. Like she's she's the social phobia taken to the absolute extreme, and it's like you don't really see that necessarily all the time in real life, but to some degree or another, you will see it. Um, but something else that I think that this particular anime does really well is portraying like the crazy like people have thoughts all the time, right? But you don't necessarily always act on them. But she has crazy thoughts, and she acts on them sometimes. And, like, it's not necessarily the right way you should be, but I think we can all re- we can all recognize that, that ability that we have to have a bad idea and then realize we shouldn't do that. But she doesn't have that ability. She doesn't mm-hmm. have that filter. No, she has no filter. Like, there's a, there's, a, there's a fine line between having a bad idea and acting out that bad idea, and she doesn't have... She, the line doesn't exist for her. And I think that's what makes it kind of relatable, because you look at that and it's like, I could have done that. Thank God I didn't. Yep. <laughs> I feel like you have specific moments you're thinking of right now. Yep. No. Most definitely. Oh my gosh, I'm <laughs> not... <laughs> I'm not ashamed to say it. I, I definitely have uh, specific moments I'm thinking of right now. Would Any you, you want to share that? with the class? Fuck no. Oh my god. <laughs> I would have stabbed so many people. I would have gone to jail so many times over if I did half the shit I shouldn't have thought of. Um, We here at Anime Club After Dark do not condone stabbing your friends. 
friends, enemies, loved ones, hated ones, just everyone in general, really. Oh my. I don't know, it's like, it's, Wadamode hit on that, and I thought it hit on it really well, just that... The, the the dark the the dark crazy side of everyone's personality that you it's always there but you just never talk about yeah and like part of that is that I f- when watching this show I felt a lot of secondhand embarrassment which I don't feel that a lot but this show managed to do that because I'm like girl are you really gonna do that oh no please don't do that and then she does it and I'm like you have no shame (laughs) (laughs) now when you say secondhand embarrassment are you speaking of like you feel embarrassed for her yeah I feel embarrassed embarrassed because you realize this could be you (laughs) no I feel embarrassed watching her do these things but like like I relate to her but I don't really feel embarrassed about relating to her, but I feel embarrassed watching her. <laughs> Do you feel embarrassed relating to her, Alex? <laughs> I might relate to her more than you think I do. Oh, no. That's painful. <laughs> but no, nah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I can realize that it's fiction. Yeah, I feel bad for what she's going through and that she can't really stop because it's who she is. Um, but at the same time, it's really entertaining to watch. And it's like it's like watching a train wreck in slow motion. Like you know it's bad, but you can't help but watch it. Yeah. And that's what Watamode is. Watamode is a train wreck in slow motion. You shouldn't watch it, but you know that the it, they're going to lead with it on the news, and you can say that you were there. So, would you consider this a comedy? I would consider it a cringe comedy. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. See, like whether. Or the question of whether Watamote like presents social anxiety in a healthy way, or like presents it in a mindful or sensitive way, I would say it does because number one, it's pretty accurate, and number two, it's um, I don't think it like makes fun of her. I think it's just really portrays it as something cringy. Which yeah, well, it portrays it, it as it really is. Yeah, it's just like there's no bias of how to look at it. It's just like this is what she does, and this is what a lot of people with social anxiety does, and that's just naturally cringy to look at. Yes. Also, before we move on, I want to say like, if you see two cats having sex, please don't watch it. Just let I'm them sorry, be. What? Did that happen in Watamode? <laughs> yeah, for real. Did did that did that happen? Yeah. Oh God! It happened. I don't know if it happened in the anime because I didn't actually watch all of the anime, but I have read the manga. Oh God! What? But yeah, that that, that is a thing that happens. It's basically sex education for her. Oh, <laughs> I'm I'm cringing right see? now. See, see, see. Jesus! But that's the point. You're supposed to cringe. You're not supposed to think this is good. And I think that's why Watamode is so good, because it does that so well. Sure. Yeah. um, (laughs) Moving on. So there are two here on this list that I think we can kind of put together because they kind of deal with the same issues. And that is Death Note and Code Geass. But they deal with them in different ways. Um, Death Note and Code Geass both deal with something called antisocial personality disorder and narcissistic personality disorder. Now, 
you can look at this in, in context of its two main characters. In Death Note, you have Light Yagami, and then in uh, Code Geass, you have Lelouch. Both of these characters, in my mind, this, this is my perspective, both of these characters are actually exactly the same, except for one key difference, their end goal. Like, they both have the same personality, they both have the same kind of drive to do what they want to do. They just have different end goals, where one wants to be, like, the the fucking, like, sadistic ruler of everyone. One just wants everyone to be free. Yeah. I think that's stretching it a bit. No, I, I would mean... say that, like, the narration of Code Geass shows more emotional turmoil of Lelouch, whereas mm. you don't see a lot of emotional turmoil for Light, but I would agree with you. Yeah, I mean, you certainly don't <laughs> see a lot of emotional turmoil in Light after, like, the first couple episodes. That's not um, even emotion. Well, that's just, like, I wouldn't call that emotional turmoil. Well, maybe. I don't know. He's a bored teenager it's like who shock. finds a like, yeah. Well, he, he he's a bored teenager who finds a a note a, a notebook that allows him to kill people. I mean, it's funny. Light has a hard time accepting it, but then when he once he accepts it, he's like, "I am all for killing." And then Lelouch like immediately accepts it. The green girl is like, "You want it?" And he's like, "Yeah, I want it." And then, but then he has a lot of emotional turmoil after. <laughs> yeah. Well. It, there's, there's, there's a really good dichotomy there because whereas with Death Note you have the emotional turmoil at the very beginning, with Code Geass you kind of have it in the middle and toward the end. Sure, sure. Whereas, like, Light comes to grips with actually having the power uh, and uh, Lelouch kind of comes to grips with that having used the power already. I don't know. <laughs> it's an interesting dichotomy for me. Um, I think that both of these shows really portray both of these disorders incredibly well, especially narcissistic personality disorder with uh, Light Yagami in Death Note. Like, once he kind of accepts the power that he has, he is, like, gung-ho with it. He says, all right, this is my goal. I'm going to make this happen. I don't care who gets in my way. They're dead. Yep. So I mean, like, he certainly takes it to an extreme. And that, that's narcissistic personality disorder in a nutshell. All he cares about is himself. I mean, he, he can't, not to spoil anything, um, he, he, he doesn't care about anyone else so much so that he doesn't care who he ends up hurting, even if it's his own family members. And the same can be said for Code Geass. That's true, but because the goals are different, where, where you can say that Light has a, sort, a pretty much evil goal, you can say that Lelouch's goal is by and large good like what he, his the outcome he's hoping for is something that's better than the current world that they live in or is mean, but the, do the means justify the end that's a personal choice <laughs> that's personal that's choice personal. actually well actually that, that that's a that's a good point to bring up though because with a lot of people who have narcissistic personality disorder, the ends always justify the means. The question you're asking is, do the means justify the end? I would say, yes, the means justify the end, but the ends do not justify the means. Well, that's what I meant. I meant the, do the end justify the means? Yeah. <laughs> but you could say you could say that with, with, with the Lucius emotional turmoil that he has coming to grips with it, is that he's asking himself by the end... Do the means justify the end that I'm trying to go for? 
and with with Light Yagami, all you can ask is he he just says from the very beginning that the ends are going to justify the means, regardless of what those means actually are. Yeah, it's just like we said, emotional turmoil for Light initially, and then emotional turmoil later on for Lelouch. Yeah. But they end up doing basically the same thing. Yeah. I don't know. Do, do you think... Do you personally believe that that's actually a really good representation on both ends of the spectrum of stuff like antisocial personality disorder and narcissistic personality disorder? Well, I, I'm not familiar with these disorders, so I can't say. But it makes for uh, good entertainment. <laughs> 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 I'm glad. I bet they're glad their narcissism paid off for you. Uh, sure. <laughs> I think maybe light is a bit more, uh, a bit more hard to believe because he's always you because like he's just always out to kill everyone and always out for himself. And then yeah. whereas I I find Lelouch more believable because he's always in turmoil. So. True, and you can say that you could say that um, light starts out and kind of goes throughout the whole story being really over the top, whereas Lelouch only gets over the top towards the end of Code Geass. Kinda. Mm, well, when he's in his other persona, he's over the top. Well, yeah, but that's a persona. That's not who he actually is. He's so he, using that persona to get to the ends that he wants. Yeah, but by the end, he's he's just another persona, right? Yeah. He's he's literally donned a new suit and a yeah. new persona. Yeah, very literally, in that sense, donned a new suit. <laughs> this a is very my good-looking sp- suit, I might add. This is my spoiler-free uh, recap of the events. <laughs> that was actually pretty good, I gotta be honest with you. Thank you, thank you. That was better than I thought it would be. Oh, what about you, Chinoda? You got anything else before we move on? Um, I personally, w- I can't speak on um, what's it called, Code Geass, because I haven't watched it yet. But as for Light, I'm still not sure about. Uh... Actually, never mind. I'm not sure how how to state it. Uh, never mind on it. <laughs> okay. Sorry. How very how very astute. He's so light is so mentally ill that Shinoda has been left speechless. Yes. Because I love him. Okay. <laughs> oh my. Uh, well, thank light you did for did nothing your... wrong. Uh, he did a lot of things wrong. But moving on. Um, so the next one we're going to talk about is Welcome to the NHK. Now, I love Welcome to NHK. It's actually one of my favorite anime ever. Um, not necessarily my top ten, but it's just definitely up there on my list. Um, but two things that uh, Welcome to NHK does um, really, really well is it, it deals with schizophrenia and agoraphobia in the main character of uh, the show. Um, and something else that it definitely deal- delves into is this idea of hikikomoriism, which is something that's that Japan, as a nation, suffers has, from. Yeah, has had a problem with for many, many years now. And for those of you that don't know, uh, hikiko—that's hikiko, easy for me to say. Hikikomoriism is basically this—it's this group of people that, for various reasons, uh, typically having to do with either depression or some other form of mental illness, refuse to leave their homes, like. 
whether it's actually at their parents' house or an apartment on their own, they don't leave their house. They they and anytime they ever go outside, it's almost always at night, and almost always they go places where people won't see them, um, or a very few number of people will see them, and they basically spend their entire lives inside, away from people. Um, there isn't really a cons- at least from what I have read, there isn't a concise agreement on what has caused this um, in Japanese culture, but it, it seems to be something that's somewhat unique to Japanese culture. I mean, you see it in other places, but not to the extent that you see it in Japan. Like it's um, a huge issue there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's an economic issue. It's a societal issue. It's becoming an issue because these people aren't having children, and it's it's contributing to Japan's already declining birth rate. Um, but that's something that Welcome to NHK actually portrayed really well because the main character of this particular show is a hikikomori, and it it kind of shows them for what they kind of are warts and all like they're not necessarily the best kind of people and they have a lot more wrong with them than just necessarily being depressed like the main character of welcome in hk is schizophrenic and he has he has full-on conversations with like his bed his refrigerator his microwave because he thinks they are fucking alive and talking to him don't you do that i do have conversations with myself but I can honestly say I've never had conversation with an appliance. Oh, you're so you're missing out. <laughs> I mean, if you say so, what appliance have you had a conversation with? Uh, my toilet. Does it say please stop going to Tim Hortons so much? Oh my god, <laughs> you know it. <laughs> Like, honey, I can't handle all these Tim bits you keep throwing at me. Stop. 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 Oh, God. Stop. Hashtag too real. <laughs> oh, but, I mean, in all seriousness, like, you've seen it Welcome in HK, right? Yeah. I mean, don't you think that, that like, these, these, there are, the, and there are, there are real people out in the world who, for whatever reason, have this really incredible fear of going outside of their own homes. Like, I think it portrayed that really well. Yeah, because he has like this panic attack the first <laughs> time he has to go out of his apartment. I mean, I myself, I'm an introvert, but I don't have a fear of crowded places. And yes, so, there is a big difference between them. There is. There's a huge yeah. difference. Which is why I was going to say, like, I understand it somewhat, but, like, not really. So, but I know that, that it's pretty, it's more common than a lot of the other mental disorders uh, that we've been talking about. Like, agoraphobia, oh, yeah. I feel is more common. I don't oh, know. Yeah. I just feel like it's more common. <laughs> I think it's certainly common in Japanese culture. Um Oh, I meant but, like just like in Western culture. I, yeah, you're, you're probably right. I I don't know the statistics on how many people around the world uh, suffer from agoraphobia, but I know it's a significant number. Or maybe uh, it's, it's just it's like a more socially acceptable phobia, maybe. Uh, just to clarify, <laughs> what exactly is agor- agoraphobia again? It's literally the fear of leaving your house, like the right. fear of crowds of public places, right? Yeah. 
Okay. I, I think it's literally the fact that uh, the fear of going outside. I think that's literally what it translates as. But wow. yeah, that. Uh, and and you're right. I think I think to your point. I think it's definitely considered a more socially acceptable disorder to have. It's certainly not something that a lot of people get like um, made fun of for having. Well, yeah, and like it's not. Like, it impairs you, but it doesn't necessitate you to be, like, hospitalized for, mm. for, for, for like... Because, like, a lot of these other illnesses, you should probably be hospitalized. But I feel like there's a lot of people with agoraphobia that, like, function somewhat normally. That's true. I mean, there, there are people with agoraphobia <laughs> who, like, well, they live with other people who, anytime that there's anything that necessitates them going outside, they have the people that they live with go do it. So you can actually live a somewhat decent life being agoraphobic i wouldn't recommend it um it's still it's still it's a it's an irrational fear that you should probably you know talk to someone about you know with a psychiatrist or whatever get that taken care of and in a way that's kind of what happens in welcome to nhk i don't want to give away too much because if i do say too much it gives away the the big the twist and the plot of the story but um it's kind of what ends up happening to the main character. He finds someone who starts talking to him and there's a whole bunch of conspiracy theories that turn out to be true. And some of them are false. And, but I mean, that that's part of welcome in HK is watching someone get over this sort of disorder, this, this agoraphobia that he has, this, uh, this basically him getting over being a hikikomori. Um, you can certainly, debate the merits of the way he gets over it but i think the fact that they're showing someone getting over it is a positive thing i did he get over it i have a very vague memory but i feel like he didn't i mean (laughs) i don't remember he he definitely he definitely got over it to the point where he was able to talk to other people yeah yeah I guess. He still lives in his room. Yeah, but he's not necessarily alone anymore. Sure. I don't know. I think that's that's the bigger issue. The fact that with people who are agoraphobic and who are hikikomoris typically are incredibly solitary. They don't interact with anyone face-to-face if they can help it. And seeing him being able to do that and getting better and better at it as the show went on, I thought was actually a good thing. It it, it shows that th- this is actually a treatable condition. Yeah, which is important to show in a lot of these shows. Like, I feel a lot of shows don't look into it enough and uh, don't look at the avenue. I mean, some of them, you know, you're not focused on it. But I do feel you should at least say something about it and say, yeah, these are treatable. There is something that can be done about them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's actually something that fiction does. Well, I will say this. It used to not do it very well, but fiction in general over the last decade or so has gotten really good at portraying mental illness as being something that is not necessarily fatal. Like, you you can treat it. There are so many mental illnesses now that people have that, while maybe not curable, they are treatable. And it's only recently, I think, that we've seen fiction kind of delve into that, that aspect of it. Whereas before it was seen as, you had this, you're fucked. 
Which is not true at all. No. It may have been true back 50, 60 years ago, but it's not it's not true anymore. Yeah. I mean, hell, 50, 60 years ago, they used to think that shock therapy was a good treatment for being schizophrenic. Don't do that. Don't shock yourself if you're schizophrenic. <laughs> shock yourself if you're into it. Yes, only if you're into it and only for sex. <laughs> wow. I mean, let, let's not go too far. <laughs> Just restricting right, well, stuff to sex would be too boring. <laughs> wow. Um, we're going to gloss completely over that statement and move on to the next uh, anime we have on our list, which is Elfin Lead. Now, you have you seen Elfin Lead show? No. I'm actually surprised because I've I think only, you would actually I've actually, like I've actually watched the first episode like three times and then never continued. <laughs> wow. I'm ashamed of you. Because, okay, well, the first episode, there's, like, a naked lady um, getting, or killing people. Uh, sorry for the that spoilers. That should be all you need. But then, but then it goes to these, like, it switches the scene to these ugly-ass, like, school children that are not naked and are not killing people. <laughs> and I'm like, what happened? I'm not so gonna... So let me get this straight. Your, your, your contention is that it's bad because the school children aren't naked. It's bad. No, it's not bad. It has lost my attention because the nudity uh, stopped. Wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> now we know how to get your attention in the first episode. Just have all the characters be naked. I mean, wouldn't that get your attention? Uh, well, it would certainly get my curiosity. Uh-huh. Um, but no. So the, the, um, the specific mental illness that uh, Elf and Lead, I think, portrays really well is um, a mental illness that used to be called multiple personality disorder. It's now called dissociative identity disorder. Um, but the main character of, of of Lucy has sort of these multiple personalities inside of her, and they can come out at completely at random times. Um, and that's kind of the, the the core of the story, is the, the two school children, as you said, uh, trying to figure out who she is and where she's from and and it sort of evolves as sort of this mystery as what is this person's purpose because it, it kind of becomes obvious that she's not an ordinary person because she has these powers. Um, is it a spoiler to ask why she's suffering from this illness? Uh, it has to do with their quote-unquote creation. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit spoilery. A bit, yeah. Would you say it's a mental stress that caused it, or oh, most something definitely. else? Yeah, oh, for sure. Oh, mental most stress? definitely. Okay. Yeah. Um. But that, the thing that I I wanted to point out specifically by having Elfin lead on this list is the way that this multiple personality disorder is portrayed. Um, before when this, and well, not necessarily before, but um, and when I say before, like many many years ago when this illness was portrayed it was always portrayed as pe- like the people that had it c- could control when their different personalities like came out but that's not the case like it can literally happen like that I- at any time and that's something that elfin lead actually does really really well because they'll be right in the middle of an action scene and her personality will change to this like pacifistic docile personality and she doesn't know how to fight anymore it was frustrating, but it was very well done. Yeah, and it also adds an air, an air of mystery. Like it wants, it, it kind of invites you to ask, "Who is this person? And where does she come from? What can she do?" 
she crazy? I don't know. She, she is a little crazy. Uh, she's more than a little crazy. She's very crazy. Um, she's absolutely nutty. But also, as you mentioned, if you haven't seen Elfin Lead yet, um, there's a lot of nudity in Elfin Lead. In Yay. fact, it's the only it's the only non hentai that Arms has ever made. Interesting. So that's something. I have no clue who Arms is. Arms is a, basically a company that only makes hentai, except for El- Elfin Lead. Oh, thank God for Arms. They sound like yeah. very great people. <laughs> Yes, thank God for arms. I have two of them. That too. That was a bad joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, just own up to it. Were Stick you being insensitive it. to amputees? Jesus. That's something else that's in Elfin Lead. Oh my God. <laughs> in a, oh God, how many of them? There's like, at least two that I know of that have that are amputees of some kind. There's a lot of amputees in that in that show. Yeah, there's, there's at least two that I can remember off the top of my head. <laughs> and you actually get to see one get her arms chopped off. Yay. It's fun. This is it's a very, very kid-friendly show, people. Go ahead and watch It's a very kid-friendly it. show. You should show this to all the, the kindergartners in your life. Um, but no, th- th- the whole reason I put this on here is, to, is the fact that Elfin Lead shows multiple personality disorder for what it is. It's something that's completely uncontrollable and... The people that have it, they can be literally completely different people anytime they have a new personality that asserts itself. And I thought that was something that Elfin Lead actually did very well. You can certainly debate, and I would be happy to debate the actual quality of Elfin Lead to you for other reasons. <laughs> um, I, for, seriously, the animation is not that great. The character designs are kind of basic. Um any time that the, the action kind of dives down it just flashes you tits and ass to keep your attention um, but I don't know just the way that particular illness was portrayed is the only reason I wanted to bring that up but it kind of leads into the next uh, thing we wanted to talk about and that's uh, an anime that called Monster now you've seen this right show yeah. would I've you agree with me you've never heard of it Nope. Oh my god. Oh my. Why are you here? Alright, well, for those of you who haven't seen it, which is apparently Chinoda, um, so Monster is basically about um it's a, it's basically about two people. One of them happens to be a serial killer who suffers from uh sociopathy. He's a sociopath. Um sexy. Yeah, well, yes. Um <gasps> I don't really, I don't think that I can actually say more of the actual like plot without well, giving I would too much of it away. I describe it as the main character is a doctor and he's trying to catch a serial killer. Yeah, but that's basically it. Yeah, without giving too much away. Um, and it sort of plays out like a sort of mystery, like uh, almost in the same way that Death Note is. Like you, you know who did that, and you know who's after the person who did it. It's just watching how it actually happens. Um. But I thought that um, in Monster in particular, um, I thought it was really well done how they showed the sociopathic tendencies of the actual serial killer. I thought how that come? I because 
like sociopaths don't give two shits about what they're doing. Like they don't care that it's bad. They don't even see it necessarily as a bad thing what they're doing. Yep. Um, all they really care about is that they have this urge to kill and they have to satisfy it. And I thought that it did a really good job with that. I mean, obviously there's other anime that do that, that that show characters like that, but they never really frame it in the context of an actual uh, mental disorder, whereas Monster does. Um, you can certainly, I mean, you can certainly say that about a lot of shonen villains are like that. They just want to watch the fucking world burn. Um, but I think Monster, well, yeah. Um, but I think Monster, for for what it is able to accomplish, actually shows sociopaths for what they are. There are people who actually do a really good job integrating into society. And a lot of them, you would never guess that they actually are serial killers. Mm. I, I, think that's part, I think that's part of the reason that the story of Monster is actually so good. Because you actually get to watch that play out almost in real time. Because Monster isn't a short show. It's what, 80-something episodes? 70-something. Yeah, it's, oh. it's, it's in the 70s and 80s and or 80s in, in episode length. I can't remember exactly how many episodes it is. It's more than... It was on for longer than a year. Um, but, I don't know. It's just, I thought that... I thought that the way... The, the whole chase aspect between the two main characters worked out. I thought it was a really... It was a good way to show off the sort of traits of an actual serial killer. And how they actually are. They're they're usually very charismatic. They're very they try really hard to blend in with society and they try to lead an outward appearance of a normal life. Yeah, I mean, we don't really see a lot of the serial killer living his everyday life. So but I would say that the best part of Monster is how they characterized the serial killer, how they characterized um his mindset. And yeah. his, like, thought process. And it wasn't, like, like a very blunt way of describing the thought process. It's from the perspective of an investigator, like, piecing things together. So you get, like, a piece of this, a piece of this. And, like, you really don't know what who this person is. And you only get uh, pieces and pieces. And the way that they uh, arranged it made it very, very creepy and um very it was a very scary and like terrifying just how messed up the character's personality was and i thought that was the forte of monster how yeah, yeah. I, I would absolutely agree with that um definitely worth watching i think or reading the the manga's pretty good too um sure I, know, I I really don't think we can say much more without giving too much of the story away. Yeah, I don't really remember too much. Was it <laughs> a long time ago that you watched it? No, it's just it doesn't stick with me. Mm. <laughs> hey, that's it's, my territory. It's not yeah, very, I'm gonna say <laughs> it's not very flashy. <laughs> All right, well then we'll move on. To uh, one of the absolute holy grails of mental illness in anime, and that is Evangelion. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh boy. Where do you even start? Post-traumatic stress disorder, major depressive disorder, 
social anxiety disorder. You name it, Shinji's got it. Pussy boy disorder. Wait, what was the trauma? He was depressed. Uh, have you not seen Evangelion? He got what? I said, have you not seen Evangelion? But there was no trauma before he got in the robot, right? Well, his mom died. Oh, I don't even remember that. Was that really a traumatic thing? I I don't know. Why, well, let me kill your mom and see if it's traumatic for you. <sighs> no, but like, I don't think he really like... They displayed Shinji being PTSD about his mom. I mean, you can definitely say that he is depressed, for sure. Yep. Um, I think the PTSD might come after the fact, um, especially, like, once he starts getting in, you know, piloting the Evangelion. Um, It definitely played a much bigger factor after that. Especially in End of Evangelion, the movie. Um, But you can definitely say that at the outset of the story, Shinji is a majorly depressed teenager. And I I don't know. It's like he just needs a father figure. Well, he has a father figure. Unfortunately, that father figure is an asshole. Hey, hey, hey! He was just trying to do what was best for humanity. He was a great dude. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but not the father I want in my life. I just say, hey, fuck you. <laughs> Um, but no, like, Evangelion kind of portrays, because, like, Evangelion occurs with, like, three teenagers who are going through puberty, and puberty is not the most stable time in a human being's life. Um, One would argue that it's the second most unstable time. Second only to your midlife crisis. Yeah, let me know how yours is going. Um, (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Um, Wow, that was actually rude. I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) um, Fuck it. Um, But I think that Evangelion displays all of these different mental illnesses in the context of, like, a a very sexually charged story. Because, like, you look look at Shinji and how he kind of evolves over the course of the story. Like... I'm really trying hard not to talk about that scene in Evangelion, but it's the only thing that keeps coming It's important. Let's talk about it. No, I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) But you look at it, like, in the beginning, he's sort of this empty shell of a person. And even by the end, he's sort of still an empty shell. But he's an empty shell with substance because he's had these sort of really traumatic experiences. And he doesn't know how to deal with them. Sure. I see Shinji as just someone who has no uh, confidence in himself, so that would make him depressed. I don't really see him as having social anxiety, because, like, doesn't he have, like, friends at school? You mean the friends that beat the shit out of him when they first meet him? I don't remember. Yeah. But they became friends after, right? Yeah. But that was after. I guess. But it's not like he, well, I don't know. Do you need to rewatch Evangelion? <laughs> I, I don't need want to watch to. <laughs> I've only seen the I, movies. I, but you, you see, like, you look at Asuka, right? She's like batshit hey. crazy. Why? She's just. This... Wait, why is she crazy? Have you fucking watched Evangelion? <laughs> it, I don't know. I don't. I have watched it. I don't see how she's crazy. 
<laughs> so you need to do a rewatch. Like oh really? <laughs> like she yells at Shinji all the time for no- like she's constantly on her fucking period. Yeah, but that, that's not crazy. That's within the realm of sanity. That's okay. within the realm of woman. I didn't okay. say it. I didn't say it. <laughs> I'm going to completely disavow what he just said. <laughs> hey, hey. She uh, she operates by my standards, so. Well, she is a lot like you. Exactly. Bitchy, crazy, and out of control. I'm still functioning somewhat. Ish. <laughs> I'll go eat some nuts. <laughs> Low blow. <laughs> you realize that any time I'm meeting now, I'm going to try and, like, le- legitimately try and feed you nuts for, like, I'm going to try and sli- slide it into well, whatever you're you eat. keep it in the bedroom? My God. Oh, my. <laughs> He's allergic to nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but no, getting back to what we fucking getting back to what we were talking about, like, I I personally think that Oscar has some some personality issues. You can debate me on that if you want. Um, a mental disorder, not necessarily a mental disorder, but she definitely has personality issues. Well, who doesn't? <laughs> Certainly everyone here, <laughs> but I. It's just watching them all interact with each other and how, like, unable to cope with anything, especially Shinji. How unable to cope with stuff that he he is able to. Like, it, I know that after a while it probably felt like the, the whole world was on his shoulders. And I'm I, as a teenager, that has to be something that you don't want at all. Um, it's just watching him just slide deeper and deeper into depression as the as the show went on. That was that was part of the reason I enjoy it so much. That's why I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate it. I just, I didn't like that part. See, I loved it. I loved. I well, to be fair, I love anything where you actually get to watch people slide further and further down a rabbit hole. Oh God. L. That's why I like Death Note so much because the the longer <laughs> you watch it, the longer you get to watch Light become just. Bat shit fucking insane. I did nothing wrong. <laughs> Excuse me? You want to repeat that, sir? Like did nothing wrong. You are wrong on so many... Griffith did nothing wrong. Ugh. Light did everything wrong. Oh, no. Fight me. Fight me, you bitch. I don't know. Does no one else actually see this in Evangelion? Besides me. No, I, I definitely see, see where you're coming from. <laughs> I just watching a character just dive deeper and deeper into depression. That's not enjoyable for any of you. I mean, it's depressing to watch. It's There's uncomfortable that. to watch. There we go. Well, I I'm think not, that that's you're not supposed uh... to think it's comfortable. I'm sure being depressed is not a comfortable state of being. Well, I didn't like it because it was uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, then moving on uh, to another show that you absolutely (laughs) hated. So a couple years ago, there was a show that came out called Orange. It's based on a manga. I actually highly recommend you read the manga. It's really good. Um, But the show, without giving too much away again, sort of focuses on this group of, of teenagers who 
have a friend who is severely depressed because his uh, his mom died, and he can't really get over it, and he blames himself for his mom dying. And a lot of the, the show is kind of devoted to having this group of friends like, console him, basically. Um, trying to and help he suffers- him out. Do what? Trying to help him out. Yeah, basically trying to help a brother out. <laughs> just, my mom died. Can you help a brother out? Trying He's to like, get okay. in a brother's pants? Well, one of them did. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, the, the specific, like disorder that the character in question his name is kakadu suffers from is is a is a part of major depressive disorder called adjustment disorder where you have a traumatic um event happen to you you blame yourself for said traumatic event and then you can never adjust your life accordingly to it um so like over the i think the the if i recall correctly the 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 story takes place over the course of almost a year where he's completely unable to move on from the fact that his mom died so much so that he becomes suicidal. And like, as someone, as I mentioned before, who has actually attempted uh, suicide, I think it, it, it definitely showed what the, the thought process behind someone who becomes suicidal, what it shows what that's like. Um, and certainly in a way that is incredibly realistic and like it holds no, it pulls no punches. Like it'll show you all the all the bad stuff that you you don't want to see. Yeah, yeah. I, the it went character into it deep, and it was kind of painful to watch. It was good, but it was painful to watch at the same time. Mm-hmm. The character of Kakru was really well done. The one who suffers from depression. Um, I think they handled him really well, um, especially how he wanted to avoid like getting to know people and letting people into his life because he didn't want to be a burden on them, which I think is very realistic for people who suffer from suicidal tendencies. And I thought it was a good portrayal of someone with those tendencies. But I didn't like the main character, Naho, because (laughs) she was not helpful. (laughs) <laughs> i remember when when this show was airing and, and you were we were watching it it's like every week is like that bitch that skanko she doesn't know what the fuck she's doing so she gets uh like a uh folder of what's of uh like a prophecy of what's going to happen and she decides to read like one page at a time instead of, you know, reading the whole thing. And then she's like, oh, I forgot. I didn't read ahead that far. Oh, no. And I'm like, bitch, can you not read more than one page per day? Jesus. <laughs> this No, this is not just a problem of the anime. This is this is a problem of, I mean, sorry. This is not just a problem of the character. This is a problem of the anime itself, but the. That that's something we're not gonna yeah, go I mean, into that much. But regardless of your issues with the anime, you would actually agree that the the character of Kakeru was actually portrayed really well. Yeah. Okay. Well, we can agree on that then. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, like you said, um, the 
like people who get that way who like become suicidal they don't want to be a burden on anyone else and actually um we're not we're not going to talk about it here but uh if you haven't yet you should go watch or listen to our uh, episode that we did on march something like a lion because that is something that that entire story revolves around um and by the time this comes out that should be out too uh self self plug um but yeah i mean i thought that orange did a really good job with that and and showing that you don't necessarily need to have medicine or like professional help to help you get through it sometimes all it takes is a really good group of friends yeah that's true a good support system definitely helps and a part of the problem with Kakaru in, in the story was that he lost the only support system he had, which was his mother. And he didn't really understand how to cope with that. And then, you know, in comes the brigade and they, be, you know, they they definitely help. They, they definitely just like everyone except Naho helped. Well, <laughs> I will fucking murder you. I swear to God. I will. Um, like, but, but it, it shows that sometimes all it takes for these people is someone to talk to. And it's, it, it's, sometimes the solution really is that simple. Definitely. That's a very good lesson that it imparts that, like, because, like, they contrast it with when he goes back, when the person who's depressed, Kakaru, goes back to his old set of friends from, like, yeah. middle school or something. Those and then pricks. when he tells them that he's depressed, the old set of friends is like, oh, you're kidding, right? That's so funny. And then they move on. Um, they don't really, like, want to talk about it. And, it really shows how much meaning um, for a person who suffers from depression and suicidal tendencies it is for them um, to just talk about it. And that's really important for like real life. Like you should talk about, uh, you should talk with uh, the people about their insecurities if you know someone who is depressed and is really yeah. helpful. And I'm, the, they did portray that part really well. Alright, well, moving on. Uh, someone else is going to have to talk about this because I have not seen Ancient Magus, Brian. Wait, are, oh. are we skipping Are we skipping the pet girl? Uh, yes, because I okay. have nothing but negative things to say about okay. that. <laughs> Wait, that's even better. Say it, say it, say it. Oh, no. Alright, well, okay, so I, I, I took it off the chart, but I guess if we have to talk about it. So there's an anime called The Pet Girl of Sakurosu. I know that there's some people who will listen to this who absolutely love that show. <laughs> I have certain problems with that show. Most, it's, and it's not it's not because I thought that the show itself was bad. I thought that actually, in general, the show was really well done. It's just that one of the main characters, in fact, the main character who around which everything kind of flows, suffers from a form of autism called Asperger's syndrome, and. This this particular form of autism, it's a very high-functioning form of autism where you, it makes it very difficult for you to interact with people. You don't have – you have almost no social skills. And I thought that in a way with the this particular character, uh, I thought it was portrayed really well up until the point where they start to sexualize the actual yeah. disorder itself. Wait, what? And that's what I have a huge problem with. How do you sexualize... What? They kind of... It's Moe that she, like, trips on her speech, and she can't really... It's so She's so clumsy and so cute. 
Oh my god. Like, I'm not saying that you can't actually fall in love with someone who has, like, a mental disorder, which there's people out there who have mental disorders who leave, who who lead very productive lives and have, you know, relationships and have families and whatnot. My problem with this is the way they're portraying it, the romance itself. Like, the only reason... It almost makes it kind of too obvious that the only reason this one character gets romantically involved is because he sort of fetishizes the idea that she's kind of out there. She's a moe. Yeah. They, they, they kind of make it cute. They kind of make the fact that she has a specific mental disorder, a specific form of autism, cute. And that's, I didn't like that. I, I like, she is, I mean, she looks cute. She's very moe. And it, it, it yes, but I just, I don't like it. I don't like it when people fetishize or sexualize mental disorders. And I think that that's something that Pet Girl of Sakuroso actually did. And I don't like it for that. Yeah, I'd agree full, wholeheartedly. It's pretty. I do, I do think it's worth watching. It's uh, pretty well animated. It is pretty it's very way. well. And like the, 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 the character designs and everything are really well done. And um, the, the OP is actually really catchy. Um, if you like Moe, you should watch it. Yeah, I mean, if you like Moe character designs, you'll love the character designs in it. But just the way that they portray the one of the main characters with sexualizing autism, I just I don't like it. I mean, I, I'm not discounting the possibility that there are people out there who are turned on by the fact that people could have a mental illness. I mean, maybe that's a thing. I don't know. There's oh, a fetish it most for everything. Definitely is. There's a fetish for everything else, so I'm assuming there's got to be a fetish for autism as well. Um, but I just it it made me very uncomfortable to at, at the point where I realized that they're they're fetishizing and they're sexualizing autism, and it's like this. No, please. Stop. I don't want this. Anyway, that's all I got to say about Pet Girl Sakurosa. <laughs> Someone talk about Ancient Megas Pride. Well, oh, I added. Boy the ancient Megas pride so didn't you the hate ma- the show oh i hated it <laughs> you. don't talk about it get out of here oh my god no i'm just kidding talk about it oh my god so uh the main character the heroine chise it has a whole slew of uh mental illnesses uh first of all she has um okay first of all Minor spo- spoilers for Megas Bride. I'll try to keep it as minor as possible. Um, so first of all, she has reactive attachment disorder, which occurs when you have a dysfunctional relationship with your parental figures. Either they're not present or they're abusive. And because of this uh, relationship, um, you are unnaturally... Um, like, not attracted, but you are really nice and familiar with other strangers that are older than you, like you're looking for a replacement for your parents. And this you can see really obviously in uh, the main character of Ancient Megas Bride because... Yeah, it's painfully obvious. Mm-hmm. Because her, um, it's later on revealed more specifically what happened with her parents, but she had a really dysfunctional relationship with them, and now she literally slavishly follows this adult magician, um, and it's really unhealthy, and it's, I mean, 
her entire situation is unhealthy, but like, just, I can see that uh, she's looking at this new magician as a replacement for her parents, and it's not exactly deserved. Um, but that's only one aspect of her problems. She also has PTSD because, <laughs> because number one, uh, she had a dysfunctional relationship with her parents. Also, she uh, gets tortured by spirits as a child. So, you know, she's has a lot of trauma as a child. And you can tell that because she's currently really uh, depressed and very suicidal. She actually attempts suicide. Um, and she's... She actually sells herself into slavery. Uh, By choice. Yeah. Just to escape her I guess that would have been selling herself. She she volunteered for slavery. (laughs) Um, This girl sounds like she's got like a plethora of problems. Oh, yeah, she she does. No respect for herself at all. She just wants to die. So she's like, whatever, I'll be a slave. Yeah. Um, So obviously she has major depressive disorder because she has no worth for herself um, because of all the stuff that's happened to her as a child. And then uh, the older magician Bone Daddy uh, figure uh, buys her from slavery and they develop a relationship that I would describe as Stockholm Syndrome. It's major Uh, Stockholm Syndrome. Because basically he's a master, she's a slave, and she's treating him as a father and a husband and a counselor. It's so, it's it's really messed up. In my opinion, unhealthy for the main character. It is very oh, unhealthy. Yes. She she needs professional help, and she the only and in she's fact, like, like mm-hmm. funny thing, um, like all the other characters in the anime, all the side characters actually recognize this and comment on it constantly and consistently. Yeah, they're like, like girl, this isn't you should. Just something uh, we perceive. <laughs> this is in the anime itself. Yeah, they're like, you should really like. Are you? Do you really want to be in this uh, weird relationship with this guy? This doesn't seem very healthy. And you know, to, she responds with, "No, I really like being with this guy." But to me, it seems she's a very delusional and like she's obsessed with this man because of her disorders, and it's really not the right. <laughs> Not the right choice to stay with this person, but I really didn't like the ancient Magus Pride because they romanticized this relationship between this unhealthy older man and this uh, mentally ill younger girl, and I'd feel like she didn't get any help at all. (laughs) She didn't get any mental help at all, and she just fell further into this bad relationship. So I just, I couldn't I couldn't get on board with it. And honestly, I think it treated all these illnesses really poorly because she didn't get help and she should have. And what is that telling? What is that telling to people that view it? It's telling like, just live with what you have. No, go see mental professionals. <laughs> but no, I really didn't enjoy it. Ain't you it's, kinda, it's almost in a way trying to normalize the idea of being like at being in very bad relationships. Well, it's allegedly uh, based. Not sure if I would go that far in saying it, but it, it what does are your have opinions? problems. Chinoda. Yeah, what's up? You like the show, right? I fucking loved it. 
So uh, how does, <laughs> what are your thoughts on uh, say? I did love her, including all her problems, because it really displayed um, a very troubled person, and it showed that um, there was hope in it, even through the dark times. Like, it showed off that there were other people that are willing to help out, even complete strangers. There, It's uh, little things here and there that really made me uh, like the show. But she say she had major problems. She um it honestly you did cover a good amount of it. But end of the day I don't think it was horrible. I do think they could have done a slightly better uh, job of it. Like, they bothered to talk about a lot of these problems, but they didn't give an outright solution. They're, like, towards the end of it, and I'm not gonna spoil anything. Um, they ended it with something wishy-washy instead of actually talking about problems. And it's like, the hell? You're gonna talk about it so much in the show itself, and then just pretend like you never talked about it yeah i mean it is true that she does go through some character development throughout the show and she works through some of her problems by herself not from (laughs) not not and no one helped well like they offered to help but she really had to figure it out by herself um but the thing is that this whole time she's in this relationship with this man and this man is literally I think he's like manipulative. He's like oh, he's taking taking advantage of her um Trust. her mental instability and her lack of self-confidence to use her for his own like selfish needs and that's really not helpful at all. And it's really like it, it hurts to watch this relationship keep going. Like it's not the kind of story I want to watch. <laughs> so like it's a really harsh story if you if you take it in that angle and I didn't really enjoy watching someone with mental illness struggle with it by themselves and be manipulated by because of it. So what can I say? Yeah. Like there were Child- people that were trying to help her out in the show itself, but even then she she didn't take them up on it. No. Well, I think that's all I have to say about the Ancient Maker's Pride. Well, then shall we move on to something else I haven't seen? Yeah, sure. okay. We can move on to uh, Tokyo Ghoul. Um, so there are a lot of uh, disorders we have listed here. First of all, we have uh, schizophrenia, which we can, which you can see in the se- first season of the anime when uh, Kaneki is hallucinating Rize. Um... Is there any other hallucinations? No. Oh, yeah. Like, what? Okay. It's not necessarily a hallucination, though. I mean, like... if you want it to be. <laughs> okay. Well, he was definitely hearing voices in his head. So. Yeah, that's worth pointing out that you don't actually have to see a hallucination for it to be schizophrenia. As long as you're, if you're hearing voices, that's also schizophrenia. Like, it's debatable whether he actually hallucinated, but, like, he had to have heard voices in his head. That's that's necessary. And um, 
near the end of the first season, uh, you have this like pseudo dream sequence where he's like having a conversation with Rize, which is like basically hallucination at this point. Um, so we have that uh, happening. And coupled with the hallucinations, well, I don't think that, well, the hallucinations don't really have a, uh, a grounding in reality because he's having them because of, wait, is that a spoiler? No, it's no, not. No. no, he's, he's having them because he had a Rize's organ implanted in, in himself. So it's a bit fantastical, but at the same time, it does. It does make sense because he does have a lot of stress building up um, because he uh, he can't eat normal food anymore and he has to cannibalize people. So, you know, It's not cannibalism if you're eating your prey. Oh my god, is he a ghoul or human? The, the question, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's that. Also, a major part of the anime and the manga as well is multiple personality disorder, which... We see in season one that Kaneki suffers from, um, and it's a theme throughout the entire uh, franchise or manga. Uh, basically, a lot of different characters get tortured, and because of their torture and the the uh, extreme trauma they experience from the torture, their hair turns white, which is a Mary Antoinette syndrome, which is uh, a bit mythological it's not not exactly scientific but it's like a rumor like when you suffer from stress your hair turns white but don't lie it comes reading too much cake sure too much icing maybe <laughs> too much other that was, a, that, was other... <laughs> that was a french revolution joke right oh there. okay totally over my head but um yeah so like when kaneki uh experiences torture and goes from black hair to white hair that signifies a huge change in his personality and um it might not be obvious for anime only viewers but for manga viewers or readers um kaneki goes through a lot of different um traumatic events which causes him to develop further personalities and by the end by where we are at right now at the manga he has so many different personalities and <laughs> it's quite um hectic and of course a lot of different other characters beside him experience this and um that's just a format that the author uses for character development is that you go through torture you develop a multiple personality and then you just you you solve your character flaws by that process which is an interesting I'm not entirely sure if that's a uh, politically so, correct thing to it's do. It's a very interesting way of solving problems. They solve problems by creating more problems. It's, uh, a, it's a different process. So I'll you, that. It's very medieval. You torture the crazy out. <laughs> how, how did that work in the Inquisition? Oh, no. A lot uh, of people well, died. A lot oh, no. of people died. Oh, no. Uh <laughs> Uh, getting back to Tokyo Ghoul, um, along with uh, this white-haired version of characters, once they, after they get tortured, they usually uh, turn into killing machines and suffer from antisocial personality disorder. And uh, yeah, so that's 
And besides all of those different disorders revolving around torture, um, a lot of different characters were abused in their childhood, um, which uh, they so they suffer from PTSD, which is just just lovely. Tokyo Ghoul is all about broken people, and I will say it's not exactly politically correct, but it is definitely entertaining. Um, no, I wouldn't say it's. It doesn't try to be realistic in any way, but I do appreciate um, all the different ways that characters are sort of like mentally broken. Broken? Because <laughs> it's, broken. it's very interesting fiction, but it's not very like, it's not realistic in any way. It's very symbolic, metaphorical, but it's not, it's, it's not like Watamote or Welcome to the NHK. It's very fantastical. Um, over the top. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it over. The, well, sure, over the top. But it's it's very unconventional. So I do appreciate it. Although it definitely could trigger a lot of people if you are sensitive to those topics. Now let me ask you something. If you're a if you're a anim, or if you're a manga reader, does does watching the anime actually give you PTSD because it's so shitty? Oh my god, so much PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> so the answer is yes. I don't even yes. know. Yes. I, yeah, I'm assuming that that was a yes to that that question. Oh my god. I remember reading the manga. And then being like, oh my god, this scene is so epic. Why did I watch the anime? The anime was so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. All right, well, shall we move on to something I've actually seen? Why didn't we do this in alphabetical order? I don't know. Because fuck out. Wait, Shinoda, you've order. seen Tokyo Ghoul, right? Yes. <laughs> do you have anything to say about uh, the anime? It's cringy. Um... What? <laughs> 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 oh damn dude. wow so so chinoda what's your review of tokyo ghoul two words it's cringy <laughs> care to expand on those thoughts can we no can we just make this like a, a running theme here where chinoda just does two word reviews of anime oh god wait hold on isn't that jason's thing i mean yeah it used to be. Rip. Oh uh, no! Let's try this out, Shinoda. Give me a two-word review of Evangelion. Can I expand on those two words? No. <laughs> Robot that... now. Oh my god. Robot now. That's a good one. <laughs> I'm gonna cry. I like this. I like this. We should definitely we should just do an entire episode with him doing two word reviews of anime. New segment. Okay. Um, but I do like the fact that they went into um so much of the trauma and the fact that um he was constantly hearing and seeing someone else in his head, even though and you know that might be a part of the whole ghoul thing that might just be him. Um, <laughs> might just be him. It really might be. Let Let's be real. That that's just a fact. Matter of fact. Um, I do really like it. I wish they would resolve a lot of these problems, 
but they don't, so it's somewhat annoying to me. But end of the day, I still enjoyed it, so... Wow. Yeah. I enjoyed his pain, I'm sorry. It was cringy, but you still enjoyed it. Okay. Exactly. Listen, I'm a I mean, hypocritical bastard, okay? To be to be fair, we all said that we found Wanamode cringy, but we enjoyed it. Like, whenever I get around to watching it, I'm probably going to love the fuck out of it, but I hate it, also. <laughs> okay. Sure. Alright, well, moving on to another... Uh, anime now. Definitely. So we're going to talk about Anohana. I have a confession to make. You haven't watched it? You I have watched. I, oh, no, yeah. I have watched. I have watched Anohana. Oh, however, however, you well. I watched it when I had the flu and I don't remember much of it. Oh, okay. I won't immediately curse you out. I will say, please rewatch it. I, I definitely intend to like, but I was so sick when I originally watched Anahana. Like I I remember there was a girl with white hair oh and she my. was kind of cute, and that's it. Jesus Manma. Christ! Please rewatch it. I know it was like a feels trip. I do remember that. Oh my god! Now you'll get to watch the feels trip sober. I wasn't drunk. I was sick. Yeah. <laughs> listen, I would classify that state as. Not being sober, okay? Okay, you have a like it doesn't you just, like you. You have a cough and you automatically just start chugging whiskey. I mean, I've I've heard that's a pretty damn good solution. Yeah, make yourself pass out. You won't feel sick. Exactly. What's what is that medicine? Benadryl or yeah. whiskey? Just drink enough of it; it'll have the same effect. Either or, one's more fun. <gasps> Anyway, Anohana. Yeah, so the basic premise of Anohana is that these this group of like uh, like, androids. No, are we talking Uh. about the same show? (laughs) Wait, no, fuck! I'm thinking plastic memories. Yes, never mind. Never mind. mind. Okay, I know what I'm talking about. Shut up! Shut up! (laughs) Okay, PSA: Plastic Memories is not Anohana. Shut up! I'm remembering. But yeah, it's uh, this group of, like, small children, like, uh, what do you call them? Like, Annoying uh, elementary schoolers. <laughs> like, elementary schoolers. Um, one of their uh, group, like, runs into the forest and dies, and then the rest of the group is like, oh, fuck! And then they all get PTSD from the person dying. And then now it's the current setting when they're teenagers, and we see... The main character suffering from depression because he can't get over the guilt of watching his childhood friend die. Um, And you can see that like he's like um, he doesn't talk to many people and he doesn't talk to his old friends. He um, doesn't go to school. He just stays within his house. And he also seems to be suffering from schizophrenia because he's hallucinating um, the girl that died. Um, and he's having conversations with her. So it's actually really emotional because throughout the anime, we get to see how each of the friend group in their own way is suffering from PTSD and like trying to cope with the trauma in different ways. And they all are suffering. Yeah. And it's pretty, it's pretty realistic in some ways. I think maybe the schizophrenia is a bit much. 
But I think the depression and the PTSD is very believable. It's very emotional. It's a very... Uh, I would definitely recommend the show. It's a, it's a very good uh, emotional drama. But yeah, I don't really have anything else to say about Anahana. Benadryl is a hell of a drug. <laughs> Oh my god. That's all I can tell you about Anahana. Getting drilled is hell of a d- drug? Benadryl. Getting drilled. Not get it. Fuck you. <laughs> Although, the, what you said is not entirely untrue. Oh, hi. I mean, I don't really. I don't remember much about Anahana, so I can't say much. I remember liking it. Wait, did you watch Anahana, Chinata? Uh, yeah. I remember all those think? depressing little shits. Oh, uh, of course. <laughs> but they were. They were horribly depressing. I yeah. love watching them suffer. Oh, no. <laughs> what is it about you and suffering? You just like watching it. No wonder you like ReZero so much. There's a reason. It's called suffer porn. It's not regular uh, porn. God. Well, that's actually a good segue. Speaking of suffer porn, the next thing is something that just makes me suffer thinking about it. Oh, shut up. So we have Attack on Titan listed here, but uh, spoilers for the second season. Sorry. I thought you said you weren't going to do that. Well, like... we are. We are. It's been out. It's not like I'll be as vague as I possibly can. So... Shut up. (laughs) He's so disappointed. So, a certain character, I won't say who, in the second season is revealed to be suffering from a very uh, extreme case of, of what, did, what did you call it? Disassociative? Dissociative identity disorder. Yes. Uh, or for those who don't know about it. It used to be called multiple personality it. disorder. Yeah, that. So, this person has uh, multiple personalities stemming from uh, PTSD that he... Ex- oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're fucked now. That this person You are has, fucked now. That this person suffered um from the uh the initial Titan attack. Um and I think it's a very it's a very well portrayed um case of disassociative personality disorder. Um and it makes sense for this person's character. Um, and in the manga, it's described a bit more later on in the story. So, uh, like a lot of, uh, fiction can you, can portray disassociative, uh, personality disorder as sort of like, as something cool, but, and they, they, they can use it like flippantly, but I think Attack on Titan I portrayed it very realistically and it's unlike Elfin Lead where the disorder where the personalities are flipped randomly they are flipped by like trigger words so I don't know if that's realistic but not not really no pardon not really no okay so it might not be realistic but um Definitely fits into the story really well. It doesn't feel, like, forced. It feels very natural, this development of this disorder. Like, you would think it would make sense. Um, 
Whereas, like, I, when I see this disorder in a lot of other fiction, it does feel forced. So I do appreciate Attack on Titan for that. Um, yeah, that's about it for Attack on Titan. You can argue that, like, everybody's suffering from PTSD, but they don't really go into that in this in the show. So, um... And not ju- uh, one thing I do like, if I may interrupt real quick, go ahead. the fact that, um, not just the so-called heroes are suffering from it, but the villains of the group are as well. I don't know how you can explain that without spoiling. <laughs> Good fucking there, <laughs> buddy. I'm not gonna explain it. I'm just gonna say that that they do. Okay, yeah, I can see what you're saying. Like the people against humanity and the people for humanity are both like suffering from disorders. Yeah. This anime is a, has a fetish for suffering. I like that. Oh my. We've already established that, Shinoda. I just want to re- reiterate. It never hurts. You'd be really, like, well at home in the ReZero universe. Like, you really would. <laughs> I am not even... That was weird. <laughs> I don't... I'm Moving on... <laughs> To another, God, you picked a lot of stuff I haven't seen. Noragami. Well, I haven't seen okay. that either. Oh, you haven't? Okay. Like I've well, seen I, the floor is your show. There. Well, minor spoilers for Noragami. <laughs> well, I think okay. The main character is a god. I believe it's the god of calamity. Might be wrong. Um, Yato. Was, it was like money or something. No, you give money to all the gods. That's what you do in Japan. Like, you give five yen coins to gods to, like, pray to them or something. It's like putting money in a in a fountain. Oh, okay. Anyways, um, I th- I'm pretty sure he's the god of calamity. Um, and being the god of calamity, um, you know, he's caused calamities. Uh, <laughs> wow, <laughs> but, like, how intuitive. I'm trying to be vague, okay? <laughs> it is definitely worth the watch, so... Says um, the person who hasn't seen it. <laughs> I've seen parts of it here and there. Anyways, so, but like, when we see him currently, he's very uh, luck- happy-go-lucky. He's very, um, kind of like the court jester of the show. He's very happy and playful. He doesn't seem like a god of calamity. Um, and a lot of that is because he's suffering from the... PTSD and guilt of like causing the calamity and that's basically his entire character um progression is trying to get trying to come to terms with the uh calamities he's caused um that stretches from the beginning of season one all the way to the end of season two only by the end of season two is it um resolved um so I thought it would be a really good show to bring up in mental illness because like the main character um basically his entire character arc is based around um coming to terms with the ptsd that he's experienced in his past and i feel like it's very it's very reminiscent of what uh war veterans go through uh, not that I have any experience with that, but 
I can what see. What war did you fight in? Oh my god, the war for Pansu. No. The war for Pansu. No. Um, but I can see a lot of um, of similarities between um, adjusting to a normal life after fighting a war and what this god of calamity in Noragami is trying to do. And it's a definitely a major part of the story. And yeah, I, I don't know if it's, I would say, I don't know if it's handled well. I would say, I, well, I don't know if it's, it's handled uh, relatively basically, but it is a huge focus of the show. So um, it is very present. That's, that's about all I have to say for Noragami. Fair enough. And actually, what you mentioned with, with soldiers coming home from war, that's pretty much what it is. Like The PTSD that they suffer from is they, they, they're trying desperately to come to terms with what they've done. Especially soldiers that actually had to kill other people. Yeah, and you see with Yato, he's almost he almost has a disassociative personality disorder as well, because as uh, when he was performing Calamities, he was like a cold-blooded killer. But when you see him in the show, like I said, he's very lighthearted and he actually does. Um, he does switch between those two personalities very suddenly, um, like switch to bloodthirsty and then back to playful very quickly and suddenly. So you can see this. He's definitely mentally disturbed and the show does do a good job of addressing this. It isn't just like a, a character quirk, you know, he has to actually work through this and come to terms with it. So I do like that they didn't just play it off as something. It wasn't just a joke. Trivial. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was part. Well, you know, in season one, it seemed like a joke because they didn't actually like most of coming to terms came into season two. So if you look at the story as a whole, it's um he comes to terms with it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, shall we move on? Oh my god! Sure. To the best anime oh ever. Oh god! No, we're gonna we're gonna absolutely excoriate this show right now. <laughs> why did we even put this on here? Why? Fucking why? Just to just to hurt you. Just to okay to disturb. Well, you've definitely accomplished that goal, sir. Oh no, god. fuck it. I'm not talking about it. You can talk about it. I'm not going to. Okay, oh god. So, introducing the best anime ever, Sword Art Online. I'm joking. Um, but we are talking about Sword Art Online. <laughs> Um, the only character trait that Kirito... best season. It doesn't have Kirito. <laughs> the only character trait that yes. Kirito does have is PTSD. <laughs> um, yeah, so, like, people die around him, and then he becomes sad, and, um, he becomes a loner, and he mopes around, and he's like, why are people dying? I have so much guilt. And then he becomes a, a loner, and because he's in mourning, he wears all black for the people that have died. And, um, you know, it's really, really a tragic story of trying to, trying to come to terms with the people that you've lost. It's such an emotional story. Excuse me, but <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> I call major bullshit on everything you just said. I was so Fair. rude. He's a veteran. A veteran. (laughs) He is a veteran. (laughs) He literally is a veteran. (laughs) I think he was talking about you. Oh, really? 
<laughs> I mean, I was talking about Kirito, but yeah, sure, yeah. why not? <laughs> oh my god, so yeah. Veteran my ass, Sword it's a fucking on... game. Sword Art Online is not a good portrayal of PTSD, but it is a portrayal. It's not a portrayal of anything good, let's be honest. Sure. It's good animation. Well, okay, I'll give you that. It's pretty decent animation, but, like, story-wise, it ain't got much going for it, man. No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> that black emotional PTSD, man. Are you talking about the emphasis on the D? Ugh. Yes. Wow, that was an interesting <laughs> noise. Uh, you know it. Okay, <laughs> we can move on. <laughs> um... <laughs> I don't know, I just fucking, I, after the first story arc in Sword of the Line, I just, I fucking hated it. Yeah, I just put it on here, just, I don't know. Oh. Because you knew it would, you knew it would garner arc this response. is actually really good. It deals with cancer. No, no, AIDS. It deals with AIDS. That's not a mental disorder. <laughs> AIDS is not a mental <laughs> disorder. So it's a disorder. Of, uh, of it and the fact that, you know, someone will be dying. Well, I yes, guess. but... Wait, fuck, fucking that was AIDS. major spoilers. Wow. AIDS is... <laughs> wow. That was a Indeed. Um, But AIDS is not a mental disorder. No, uh, I'm not saying it is. I'm talking about the fact that it goes into the fact that people are uh, dealing with the emotional stress of it all. Sure. sure. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this anymore. I really don't. Oh, my God. So, move on, somebody. Okay, so next we have Hunter Hunter. Um, Greatest X ever. It's not the X is not pronounced. Okay, excuse not, me. There's a, a, there's a fucking fan. there's a fucking X there. I'm going to pronounce it. Okay. Anyways, um, so one of the characters in Hunter Hunter, um, the gay clown Hisoka, um, he has he is physically turned on by people with a lot of power and um some may describe that as uh unnatural <laughs> um some say <laughs> but that's very very um it's not it's not um subtle at all it's very in your face he actually has a boner <laughs> he actually like gets a stuff. boner <laughs> when uh people talk about power and he is he is when he sees power he gets like he starts heaving and he starts like having like like he starts hot having hot flashes starts sweating like he gets in the mood but um yeah that's a, a, a form of paraphilia that is very unique don't see that often uh, <laughs> um <clears throat> but more uh relevant to the plot i guess um there one of the main characters kilua is well he's a child and he was like he was born an assassin um so he was trained to kill people from a very well basically from birth um so he suffers from antisocial personality disorder because he doesn't really he has no concept of the value of a human life he just takes lives left and right and it's really, really interesting to see uh, Kilua progress from some uh, from a cold blood killer to someone who can actually 
you know, Have function in society. Death. Yeah, who can um, relate to people on an emotional level and, you know, be socialized. Because And this is a very, very gradual process that spans hundreds of episodes, but that may sound bad, but it is very good. <laughs> it's very good, actually. At least I found it a very, um, very in-depth, um, slow process that was like one of the one of the best parts of the show for me was watching Kilua trying to like learn to become more human, and it was very emotional. And I think it was a really great portrayal of that. I guess. I don't yeah, know how realistic we didn't put it is. In Violet Evergarden, did we? I have no idea. You can talk about it if you want to. I mean, yeah, it's, we didn't put it on the list. No, it's fine. But I think we, we've all, we're already at almost an hour and forty minutes. I don't think we want to start adding to the list now. No, no, no. I, I just thought, thinking on all this, it would have been very good to add on. But never mind. Maybe in part you know, two. You know that almost hour we spent before. We started recording. I Were we talking about this? That would have been the time me. to bring okay, this up. It didn't occur to me un- until I heard about Kilowen coming into terms of becoming human. <laughs> or being human. Slight spoilers for Violet Evergarden. Um, anyway. I haven't seen Hunter x Hunter, so I don't know anything I can say about it. You also clearly haven't learned how to pronounce it. Joking. I know how to pronounce the letter X. Uh-huh. I learned that a long time ago. <clears throat> okay. Well, moving on from your illiteracy, we can. T- <laughs> we also have a scum's wish uh, listed here, uh, which displays uh, what some people may call nymphomania, but what is hypersexuality currently classified as uh, hypersexuality. Um, I would say the main character—I forget her name. Well, the main heroine suffers from hypersexuality because she basically, she, she... She wants the D. No. She and the wants v. the card. She has, like, angst from not, from not being in a relationship with the person she wants to be with. So, so she medicates herself by having, obses- by obsessively having uh, sex to numb the emotional pain, which is certainly unhealthy. Yeah, um, <laughs> to say the least. And not just for you, the person you're fucking. Sure. And uh, we also have uh, another one of the characters, I guess I don't, I can't really say which one because it's a spoiler, uh, who basically fucks everything this person can in order to i have no idea why they do it oh because they feel like i have no idea honestly i can't describe (laughs) don't you watch scum's wish yeah but i don't understand the characters uh so you're 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 right about the main character the main heroine rather um basically trying to fuck away all of her bad problems or her bad uh, thoughts and stuff. Um, not a healthy way to live. <laughs> um, but. Oh, I think I, I think I know how to describe it. This okay, other character, ahead. they fuck other people because they have trust issues and they, 
feel most in control when they fuck the other person and then toss them away. So they do this a lot and they they're almost sadistic in how much they want to be how much they want to be sexually dominant in that they want to use sex as a tool to cause pain for others because they feel insecure about their relationships. So I mean that's just that's a whole another form of hypersexuality that is completely <laughs> uh problematic. But uh how would you would you say Scum's Wish portrays hypersexuality well or not? I can mm. I I will say this that well, are you asking me? <laughs> Anyone, really? <laughs> I I will say this. I think it portrays it well in the fact that it shows how it can kind of ruin your life. <laughs> how it can kind of ruin your relationships with other people. It's true. It's basically the moral of the story is that these actions are just, a, they're a dead end action. They're not going to get you anywhere. They're only going to get you worse off. It's they're only going to hurt you. Pain. and the, They're only going to end up hurting you and the people you're actually doing this to. Yep. And there That's is it. plenty and, of hurt in the anime. Plenty. Oh, yes. I will. I, I want to say this though. The there is one specific point of complete unrealism in Scum Wish. I have to point out. You cannot, as a man, I can't say this as a woman. As a man, you cannot cry and orgasm at the same time. I beg to differ. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> can't do it. You can't do it. <laughs> can't do it well with the right uh wink wink medication you can oh. <laughs> i'm telling you man you can't do it yes, you can. <laughs> anyways <laughs> but I, w- I would say that it, it definitely it, it portrays the the consequences of how people deal with this mental illness really well yeah it might be a bit uh over dramatic but it uh, is it is over dramatized a little bit for the anime um, but I would still say overall the 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 outcome is is portrayed rather re- realistically. Yeah, I definitely like how they ended the show. Yeah, a, a lot of people did not. I'd like to point that out. Oh, did they not really? I think that the ending, by and large, was not necessarily well received. Um, I'd oh. say it's kind of like a sixty forty split. I don't know. Interesting. I don't know. It just seems like there's a, there's a significant portion of people who watched Scum's Wish and they thought that the show overall was good, but they just didn't like the ending. Mm. Huh. Well, then they have a problem themselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, shall we? We're, we're coming up on an hour 50 minutes. Should we go ahead and talk about the last thing we have on the list here? Let's. Sure. So I'll, I'll go with this. Have you ever heard of Ludomania? No, it's not like it's not like having a mania for looting things. That's compulsive gambling. So Kakegurui, which is a show that aired last year, um, and is now finally available on Netflix. Thank you, thank you Netflix for that. Uh, um, when everyone's already <laughs> done forever. watching it, <clears throat> it took forever. Um. But it's a show that that deals with compulsive gambling. It's not necessarily a, um, it's certainly not a mental illness that, uh, or a, a, a compulsion that you see really portrayed very often in anime. 
Um, so for that reason, I'm really grateful for it. But <clears throat> I think that it portrays it rather over the in a very over the top way. <laughs> Most people don't <clears throat> masturbate with poker chips. I'm just saying <laughs> they should. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that you can't masturbate with bogerages. I'm saying that most people don't. Um, it's funny because, see, Kakegurui, like, 100% fetishize, fetishizes compulsive gambling. Um, but you know, I would say it does It does more than that. It fetishizes gambling itself. Um, sure. And, um, you know, I didn't really find it, have an issue with it. But, like, when you... What, what we talked about previously when you fetishize autism with the pet girl of Sakurazo, I mean, that just rubbed me off as, as insensitive. So, I don't know. Maybe it's just my bias. Maybe, I, well, there, there is a slight difference. Like, the way, the way this is portrayed is completely over the top, whereas yeah, that, that, the yeah, pet girl true. of Sakurazo, it's very subtle. It's true. The pet girl is very serious or... yeah. More like they're very serious about the romance, but the Kakegui is clearly um, flippant. They're very—it's clearly for comedy and not realistic in in any way. Oh yeah, like and it, it, it's done almost as a sort of shock value, almost. Yeah, and like I, compulsive gambling is not something that I'm personally uh, aware of. Like none of my none of the people I know. Uh, compulsively gamble. I haven't really seen someone suffer from that, so maybe I'm so distanced from the issue that I can just watch this without caring. I don't know. It, 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 that's definitely <clears throat> a possibility. I mean, I don't really have anyone close to me that's a compulsive gambler either. I have seen what it can do to people. It's it's economically ruinous to be a compulsive gambler because no matter how much of a winning streak you have, you're eventually going to lose. Yeah, it's just, it's honestly Depressing. quite sad. Yeah. It is honestly. Yeah. <sighs> I will say, I, I even though I don't know anybody personally that that suffers from compuls uh, like a, a gambling compulsion, um, where I live, I live in Central Florida. I live near Tampa, and there's a casino uh, that's like less than ten minutes away from where I live, and I have to drive by it every day for work. And I can see what happens to the compulsive gamblers because they're the ones that are outside the casino begging for money. <sighs> it's not a happy thought. No, it's not, but it's yeah. realistic. It's very realistic. And I, I kind of wonder if you're going to end up seeing, because Kakiodui is going to have a second season. Oh, you, I don't think it's going to get serious. <laughs> I don't think it's going to get serious either. I just wonder if they're going to actually delve into like the negative aspects of being a compulsive gambler. I know. <laughs> yeah, I seriously doubt that they'll actually get into it. Unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, you're probably you're probably right. It is just it's still it's it's interesting to see because it's not something you see in anime a lot. Yeah, I feel like compulsive gambling may be a problem that the West suffers more from than Japan. I I don't know I, if Japan I don't know. has there's, that. There's a lot of stories casinos. you see about people going to losing their all of their money in pachinko parlors in japan oh yeah they don't have casinos but they have pachinko yeah they don't need uh (laughs) anything else when they have the pachinko machines oh man it's it's technically not gambling either i guess not not traditionally not when yeah you wouldn't consider that gambling 
Well, no, they, they, it's, it's technically not gambling because, you know, a lot of the pachinko parlors are run. Actually, I think almost all of the pachinko parlors are run by the Yakuza. And what they do is you go in and you give them money and they give you all of these like little like trinkets and stuff like the little plastic balls or whatever. And then, you know, the stuff that comes out of the machines isn't money. So what you go, what you do is you you take your little trinkets that the machine gives you, you take them outside of the pachinko parlor, you find a member of the Yakuza, give them that, and then they give you the money. Well, that's pretty shady. Oh yeah, I mean but that's how they get around it. Though technically allowed. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, it is. It's because it's, it's because you're not giving up your money for the prospect of winning more money. Technically, you're giving up your money for the prospect of winning useless trinkets. Wait, gambling is. Illegal in Japan? I think in most parts of Japan it is illegal, yes. Oh. Well. <laughs> what can That's, I say? I don't know that for a fact, so if, if there is anyone who does know whether it is or not, please let us know down below in the description. Um, if only yeah, gambling I, I, was as sexy as they they show it in Kakigurui, the world would be a better place. Have you ever gambled yourself? No. Well, you should try it. It's not that bad. It's, I don't see the appeal. Uh, winning money is pretty nice. Uh, girl, were you trying? You trying to get more people into gambling? Yes, I'm trying to get no, you into gambling. Is, oh my god! I tried to get you into drinking when we went to L.A., but that wouldn't. That didn't happen. Talk about another uh, money hog. Yeah, okay, alcoholism. One actually gives you a good time. The other just <gasps> is a straight loss of money. <laughs> hey, you the gambling high is real, man. It That's is. True. It, it is. does it, it stimulates the same dopamine receptors, man. <laughs> Coming from a uh certified doctor, Dr. Williams. <clears throat> yes. Anyway, on that note, thank you all out there for dropping in to listen to this incredibly long episode. I'm sorry we didn't mean it to get this long. <laughs> we hope I fucking you enjoyed called it because it. We- I know you fucking called it. I should have listened to you. You were right. We hope you enjoyed it because we always enjoy bringing this stuff to you. If you want to check out the previous episodes of the podcast, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. If you want to keep up with what we're doing and have a little more fun, you can join our new Discord server, become a member of our Facebook group, follow our Twitch channel, and visit our website. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, criticisms, or concerns on this or any episode, feel free to shoot us an email. Links to all of these things will be down below in the description. As always, I have been your host, Alex, and I will see you next time. Say goodnight, everybody. I want to find something to eat.